Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome everybody to the Last Lap Podcast, the only Formula One podcast you're listening to right now, right this second. <laughs> uh, I'm your host, Andrew Pearson, and alongside me is the man who would have told Arnie it was a tumor instead of I'll be back, Sean Gray. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> uh, welcome back everybody to the Last Lap. This is the uh, third episode, I think, this season, I want to say. Yep, I think so. Uh... Season preview and... And Australia makes this episode three, I think. I can't remember. I can't remember how many how many episodes we did before the <laughs> before the first one. Never mind. It's, uh, it's definitely season three, though. So we'll we'll keep with that. Um, so this is our review of Australia. Uh, we'll be dipping into the Formula One news uh, post the Grand Prix and looking ahead to the Malaysian Grand Prix, which is occurring this weekend. So for our season opener, we were transported to. The lush climbs of Australia and um, more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? More directly? No. Uh, more specifically, sure. that's the one I'm looking for. More specifically, um, Albert Park in, in Melbourne. Melbourne, uh, yeah. As mentioned in the previous episode, one of our favourite Grand Prix. Um, yeah, I think, it's, I think I put it down as my absolute favourite Grand Prix. Yeah. Uh, not this weekend, though. No, <laughs> wasn't no. wasn't wasn't great. <laughs> not uh, one, of, not one of the classics, shall we say? Um, I mean, it's always good because it's the first race of the season. So if you're, you can kind of forgive a boring race because you know you're hyped up. You get up early for it. It's the first race of the season. You get to see all the brand new cars out on track for the first time. So if it's a pretty boring race, they're still you're still pretty still pretty satisfied, but. God, it was boring, wasn't it? It was, it was, it was really boring. I thought. Uh, yeah, I, I can't lie. It was not, um, not a particularly riveting race. Um, several reasons for that. Um, let's, uh, and there were, well, most of them started pre-race, unfortunately. Um, Manor didn't do qualifying, um, despite having shipped out all of their gear in the cars. Um, software problems based on the fact that they're running a 2014 engine, but I think trying to attack it with 2015 engine software. Um, so yeah, they're uh, desperately dealing with Ferrari, I think, to to try and get that. But that basically meant that they didn't run. Um, so we were two cars down, heading out of qualifying, knowing that since they hadn't set any times over the weekend, they obviously failed the 107% rule quite significantly. Um, <laughs> uh, Bernie, not very happy with them, has uh, charged them for shipping all their equipment out there, which is seems a bit harsh given that they're sort of legally obligated to try and turn up for a race if they can, because they can only miss three in a season. So what else could they have done, really? Seems a bit harsh to charge a team with such well-documented financial problems. Like... You cut them some slack, you know. At least they're trying. They could have so easily just folded in this winter and never, never to be seen again. But the guys involved there are pulling uh, everything they possibly can to get to get themselves back on the grid. Give them a little bit of slack. Eh? Absolutely. Um, qualifying um, 
was okay, but uh, poor old Kevin Magnuson um, and Jensen Button suffered and were at the back of the grid. So it wasn't looking good for them um, before the start of the race. And it got even worse for Kevin Magnuson, obviously deputising for um, the injured Fernando Alonso, as uh, on the not even on the on the formation lap, um, just getting to his grid box, uh, his Honda engine literally exploded out the back through uh, through the exhaust pipe, um, therefore ending his race before it had even had a chance to begin. Going into the weekend. Before, before, sort of pre-practice, you were reading stories like Jensen coming out and saying things like, oh, we could be at the back of the grid and that. And, you know, I was saying to myself, yeah, it could be, but surely McLaren won't be right at the back. And then and then they just were. <laughs> like, they were, they were really that far off the pace. It, it kind of blew my mind a little bit. Like, we've had, we've had pretty crap McLarens occasionally over the years, but I've never, never seen them turn up to to the opening race of the season being so off the pace. It, it was, it was, even though we, even though we were told that we're going to be off the pace, I still, it still came as a big shock to me to see a McLaren that, you know, looked at, like going around looking like a minority. That's what it looked like. It was, it was not good. Um, apparently reports were coming out from different places that um, for qualifying, they ran at 35% ERS. That's, um, I mean, how can you possibly compete? Well, and I, and I think our questions were therefore answered on that very subject during the race. You can't really. Um, <laughs> Just I'm saying. So yeah, yeah, I think they 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 said they turned up a little bit for the race, but nowhere nowhere significant. So the McLaren running at you know much less than half power, um, I think did a fairly good job to only probably be two laps down on the Mercedes realistically. Um, but yeah, K Mag doesn't start. And uh, Jensen, last place. Um, it's a bit weird to say last place because obviously he finished 11th. Um, but that rather tells the story of everything else that we're going to talk about now, essentially. I mean, I'm uh, not a McLaren fan, as anybody who listens to the show knows. I'm a Ferrari fan. I don't like McLaren, but I would have loved Jensen to have gotten that McLaren 10th. I think it would have been an absolutely brilliant effort to get it into 10th place and pick up a world championship point. That would have been such a good story to come out of the weekend. Just Jensen on the radio was such good fun as well throughout the race. Like, so, you know, just... <laughs> self-aware that the car he was driving was about five seconds a lap slower than the leaders like if he dragged that thing around to to 10th and got a point that would have been such that would have been a brilliant story and you have to feel for magnuson as well getting after the all the crap in the winter about him will he won't he drive gets dropped gets a chance in the first race to show what he's doing and doesn't even make it to the grid poor fella it's uh yeah not not a fun time to be a mclaren driver um as we said, yeah, Jensen ended up in 11th, although uh, I read a story today on, uh, it was posted on Reddit, and it was a breakdown of uh, the top cornering, uh, I think it was speeds, based on the amount of uh, G that they were pour- pulling. So obviously the faster you go around a corner, the more G that there is on the car. Um, and it was uh, Lewis Hamilton, Nico Rosberg, Felipe Massa, and then Jensen Button. Hmm. So he was the force fastest around the corners. Um, at some points during the race, quicker around a corner, or put, going faster around a corner, than Nico Rosberg in a Mercedes. So um, there are some positives, I think, in the general car design. 
But it's all a bit pointless if on the same lap that you're going faster around a corner than Nico Rosberg, you still ended the lap two and a half seconds slower than him. <laughs> and I think we know that, that realistically it's the straight line at the moment that is the, the car's weakness because they simply can't get the engine to go fast enough. You know, there's only so fast you can make a car go around a corner, uh, regardless of what engine's in it. So at least at those points, there's some comparison that can be drawn between all of the cars. But yeah, it's yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's one bright spot on otherwise a dismal weekend. But like you say, at least there's something there. You know, it shows that they can, if they get the engine right, they should be, you know, in the mix, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, it's at least there's got to be in the back of their minds now that it's it's at least it's not the car and the engine yeah it's, it's just the engine the problem is how long did it take to get the engine sorted well. if it starts taking three four five six races then you're at the point where you go should we just look to next year by that point like you can't give away you're essentially giving away a handicap of several races on the other teams like at the well i mean I think they were all more than well aware that this was not going to be a world championship challenging season. Yeah. Uh, and somebody on, on Reddit again, sorry to keep on name checking Reddit. I've just, just happens to have been what I've been reading over the last couple of days. Um, uh, and somebody pointed out that um, it was in a thing more about um, uh, other teams being hampered by the loss of engines. Um, and obviously McLaren have lost an engine already in the, in the one that exploded in the back of uh, Magnussen's car. But if you're McLaren at this point and all you're attempting to do really is salvage the best that you can in a learning season, do you actually care if you go over your allotted engine thing and get um, a 15-place grid penalty and start from the back um, if all you're trying to do is get the car better and work out all the gremlins and bits and pieces. I guess you don't really do. You are are literally no worse off than, than you were before. And if it's a case that in doing so, um, you end up with an engine and a car put together that could take you from last place to, you know, eighth, ninth or 10th and picking up points, then that's, that's all okay then, isn't it? Realistically. Um, yeah, as, be- as well as if you know you get to halfway through the season or three quarters of the way through the season when the engine, the pressure on it, the engine usage is going to be its, it's utmost for, for not just McLaren but for most of the teams. You know, at that point, they'll have, judging by the way they've started the season, they're going to be looking towards the following season for sure by three quarters of the way through this season. So, you know, it's, it's probably worth, you know, blowing the engines with the idea of producing a better car that could challenge for world championship the following season. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. It's not, um, uh, every, you, you know that there is a certain amount of pain that you're going to be dealing with. Uh, so yeah, d- just get, get on and deal with it, I guess. Uh, another man who didn't make it to the grid, um, was Daniel Kvyat in his first race for the Red Bull team, having qualified fairly well, um, although probably a bit worse off than the team had hoped. Um, he too did not make it to his uh, grid box, um, another uh, engine failure, although he'd been having problems uh, even during qualifying, so it was not uh, massively unexpected that the uh, the whole thing sort of caved in on him, unfortunately. Um, but a bit of a shame for the for the young Russian who was looking like he was doing uh, okay in his in his new car. 
It's mad because this is the kind of problems we were expecting last year and we kind of didn't get it. We were expecting, you know, craziness with the very last 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 uh, March because it was the first race of the new engines. But obviously McLaren notwithstanding because they're using Honda for the first time. This is a Renault engine in the in the Red Bull that I've had over a year with the new regulations. So it's it's a bit funny that now we're getting the chaos that we kind of expected a year ago. Yes, I mean, I think I think part of that is is that obviously for the first year, I, th- I think teams were probably um, or the engine manufacturers were maybe a bit um, cautious, shall we say, in in terms of how they designed the engine. They maybe they weren't going for the actual absolute technological limits that an engine could do, um, but you know, Renault. And Ferrari and and Honda, they're all playing catch up now. They will have to start trying to put things on the car that are a bit experimental. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, the, the Mercedes are so far ahead that they're going to have to try something. So we might see more and more blowouts as as the engine suppliers try and push the boundaries to make that gap up. Otherwise, that they kind of have to take the risk of unreliability. Otherwise, they're just going to trundle around every race finishing behind all the mercedes powers cars. So what's the point? You might as well, you know, go for it. Well, I mean, they certainly don't have any choice, do they? If they if they maintain where they are, then... They're just going to be behind Williams and Mercedes. And that's not... Ferrari aren't going to settle for fifth and sixth all season, are they? they want to, they're going to want to push, push on. And obviously, you assume Red Bull are going to be on Renault's back to do the same. Judging by Christian Horner's comments post-race, he's certainly less than impressed with their effort this season so far. Uh, yes. Yeah, well, I think we'll, we'll get to that as part of our as our, of our news section. But uh, yeah, um, if we if we kind of jump um, from Daniel to, to Danny Rick... Um... A good, good performance, <sighs> given the... The alleged state of the Red Bull, according to, I mean, where did he finish in the end? Was it seventh? Seventh, I think, and he where he started, unfortunately. Um, oh no, I've got sixth. I've got him as sixth. Was it sixth? Yeah. Oh, oh, sixth, but that's where he started. Um, and he spent his race kind of jostling with with Sauber's and um, had a bit of Kimi Räikkönen, although Räikkönen kind of went past him, really. Um, and it's just. You know, I, I do wonder how Renault could have made such a step back. Do you know what I mean? Uh, the car was good last season. Um, and there's been no massive tweaks in the aero stuff that I would have thought would have destabilised the car so much. Um, they were saying on the radio, wasn't it, that the it was an, uh, uh, an engine mapping issue that was affecting the car and that the car was... Um, wasn't coming off the throttle, I think, in a way that was um, predictable. So sometimes it would come off in the way that you would expect, and then sometimes it wasn't. So he was guessing about the kind of how the stable the car was going into corners and bits and pieces. And obviously, that's pretty much where the Red Bull has made up all of its um, made of its time, really, wasn't it? In in how stable it was, it wasn't necessarily the fastest, but the stability with drivability was good. So kind of without that, yeah, where 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 can you take that car? According to Ricardo's, from what I read anyway, that the, the car was just completely undrivable at points during the race. So 
to finish where he did, you have to say it's another good performance by by the 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 Australian that's ever you know increasing his reputation amongst the Formula One community. Yeah, definitely um, making the best out of um, sort of a bad bunch, really. Yeah, uh, I suspect if that Vettel was still in the uh, in the Red Bull, he, he wouldn't have been as high as Ricardo. I don't. You do get the feeling that that's the case, isn't it? That that. I don't um, like if if a car was undrivable. I don't think Sebastian would be able to, you know, drag it home, so to speak, in the way that that Ricardo clearly is able to do, and the way that guys like Alonso and in the past Senna would be able to do. Um, you get the impression Vettel wouldn't be as comfortable doing that. Yeah, no, he, I, needs, I, he needs everything dialed in to his his way of liking. I think when it is dialed in, he's unstoppable. But if it's not quite dialed in, you just kind of. You kind of get the feeling that he wouldn't. He's not quite happy, and it doesn't get the best out of him. No, uh, I think that's that. That's probably true. Like a lot of a lot of F1 drivers these days, it seems there's, um, you know, an an awful lot of um, people who are particularly good if the car is one way, and maybe can't manhandle a car in the same way that you know Alonso can, and, and you know maybe Ricardo is the 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 new Alonso in that fact, in that he's just you know his ability is to be able to drive whatever you sort of kind of give him and, and get something out of it um it's certainly not a bad talent to have really if you're going to make no. a career in formula one uh, you can't always be in the best car um as uh, again as fernando alonso has found out um <laughs> through, through through the latter half of his career you're listening to the last lap podcast the home of f1 banter with andy and sean www.lastlappodcast.co.uk Shall we, uh, should we should probably talk about the, the best car then, eh? Number one and two. Yeah. Get three guesses for who it was. Oh, dear. I mean... Ominous signs, wasn't it? I mean, the only the only positive look on this is that it meant that uh, it was quite easy to get a couple of points for the uh, prediction league that we're oh, yeah. well speak for yourself i think i only got one because i was foolish enough to bet with my heart over my head and suggest that rosberg was going to going to pick lewis <laughs> but no um yeah lewis you got the impression he was coasting round half third gear half the points in that race rosberg was never able to truly get close to him i suspect the mercedes probably had most of their they they had the sort of energy conservation in their mind at times, turning stuff down. They didn't. Well, I think uh, we didn't see the full potential of the Mercedes. I don't think, and that's what's probably the most terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think the part of it certainly was is that um, Lewis was mentioning that he he feels that all the way that they work it now is that if they have a two or three second gap, that's all he needs um, over over Nico. Um, because they're they're going to drive away from the rest of the pack, and if you get those two or three seconds ahead without killing your tires, then the person behind you's got no chance of going faster and catching you up. You have to do something in the pits, and the chances of that happening at Mercedes are, as we know, are fairly limited. They they don't run that aggressive car v car, you know, pit stop thing to try and get one of the other drivers ahead. They just kind of let it unfold as and when whatever they decided at the start of the race. Um, so that's that's the worry for the rest of the season, that it, 
even when Vettel was was winning in the in the Red Bull, he he would scamper off sort of ten, thirteen seconds down the the track, and at least it kind of you could see somebody pulling away at an at an astounding advantage. But it's a bit pointless, isn't it, when the other team get, you know, thirty seconds ahead of all the cars behind, but are happily prepared to run two seconds ahead of their own teammate because they know that that's enough to keep them behind regardless. Yeah, they're driving the same machinery, so at best all you're going to take out is a tenth or two a lap, and then the next lap the other guy might take a tenth or two and they'll just trade it back and forward or race, and it's like a glorified practice session, basically. That's exactly what happened, isn't it? I think Nick (laughs) had got down to like 1.3 was the closest he ever got, and then by the time he'd obviously put in the work to do that, then... Lewis was just ready the next lap with slightly, you know, slightly less angry tyres to then, you know, go another seven tenths back the other way, and then it went went back to two seconds, and uh, and it was just dull. You wonder what Patronus get out of this Mercedes partnership because their car is never on the goddamn television because there's more interesting things happening anywhere else other than the front of the race. That's true. Yeah, seen that kind of mentioned a few places online now they can do this if mercedes are happy to to run this kind of way then they must accept that they're not going to be on tv simple as that uh yeah it's and uh... the, the, the scary thing for me as well you know last season we had a rosberg leading the way lewis was playing catch up so there was a bit of uh, a bit of interest there you get the feeling that lewis could could win every race <laughs> Or certainly, you know, go close. Uh, I don't, I don't see. I see. I think Rosberg's further away this year than he was last year. I just, I kind of, I'm worried that that the defeat in the World Championship is is. Uh, it could have went two ways. It could have, it could have fired him up and he'd be better than ever. Or he, I'm a bit worried that it went the other way and he's he's just going to be now the number two, and and. We we could be on for a serious string of Hamilton wins here. Yeah, yeah. It's um, at this stage you're almost hoping hoping for, um, you know, some bad wheel nuts or a or a dodgy engine to make his way just just to keep the season going. Because if he wins the first four races, it'll just be like, why am I watching this again? What yeah, was, that, what was because... the point of tuning in to see? <laughs> do you not mean Lewis win again? Uh, and you know. Yeah. It didn't take very long for um, uh, Vettel to start getting the booze from the crowd from winning all the time. And it'll be even quicker for Lewis or Nico, not not because of the drivers per se, um, although Lewis Hamilton, I don't think it helps his cause all that much in the same way that Vettel doesn't. Um, but if it if the race results... Or a foregone conclusion that the fans will just get bored of it real, real quick. You know, it's all right to be dominant. It's okay to win all the races, so long as you're being seriously challenged for those wins. You know, it's fine to win back-to-back championships, as long as you feel that there has been a genuine challenge to that team winning those races. And when there isn't, there's there's little point in watching the racing. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, at least like I say, last year. Lewis was playing catch up, so Mercedes didn't have to. They didn't pick a one, a number one, a number two driver because they were so close in the championship all season that they couldn't. Both guys were right in the hunt. There was minimal points between them. But like you say, if Lewis wins 
the first four races, suddenly Nico's 20, 30 points behind after five or six races, then they could just say, well, Lewis is the clear is the guy. So <laughs> the, no, Nico, they'll tell they say to Nico, Lewis is the guy. So you, you can't challenge him. And then it's even worse. Yeah. You know, like it's. Well, let's move on. <laughs> it's a bit bleak, to be honest. But yes, yeah. let's move. Let's move on to my little ray of sunshine in third. <laughs> my best bet for the whole weekend uh, in the in the shop was uh, I was telling people that Ferrari, that uh, Sebastian Vettel, take the two Mercedes out of it. Best of the rest, the bet is Vettel, and I'm I'm pleased that I've been at least you know justified in one thing this weekend, and that was that Sebastian would be would be in third. <laughs> Well, and uh, you know, I have to put my hands up and and say I was I was wrong. I uh, I thought that the Ferrari might have flattered through winter testing, but um, come race day, not be anywhere near as uh, as pacey. But they seem to have made significant progress um, on on catching up to the Williams, and at least they seem on on par on pace with them. Um, I mean, the Williams still look fast, uh, and it was a pit stop jump that really did it for Sebastian. Um, but it's undeniable that last season they weren't able to do that at all. So, yeah. um, and once he got in front, you know, he was never really under pressure from Massa either. Like he was pretty. It was only a few seconds in it, but it was never. Massa never got close to trying to. They weren't wheel to wheel or anything like that yeah, at any other no. point. He he got out about four seconds ahead and finished was about it, four yeah. seconds ahead. He was so, able to control it. Yeah. So so that's pretty much kind of all you need to know about his race. Um, other than uh, the fact that, he, um, and I didn't know this. Apparently, Vettel and Raikkonen are actually quite good chums outside of um, yeah, I read that outside of racing. Um, so it was quite surprising that the his first act in a race seat for Ferrari was to uh, to tap into his teammate on the <laughs> on the first corner. Um, but <laughs> it's because Kimi's inherited that Felipe Massa of just getting all. Whenever there's a, any minor incident, it goes the. It seems to be the <laughs> bad luck seems to be going. Seems to be going that the bad. He seems to be getting the bad luck as well. You know, Massa was just to get in that that second Ferrari, like just cursed. Even like going back to Rubens Barrichello days, he was get that second seat in Ferrari is just and the second always, seat in the Braun as well. Technically, yeah, for always <laughs> always attract the bad luck. But yeah, uh, pleased with the pace of Ferrari. I mean, obviously, we want to be seeing them challenge the Mercedes. <sighs> Truthfully, it doesn't look like they're going to get near them all season probably but um, I'm happy to see them compete with the Williams and I hope that we can just it'd be nice if you know the Williams and the Ferrari can have some some actual on track battles I know we didn't get it this weekend but if we can get some on track wheel to wheel racing between the two between these two you know legendary teams of Formula 1 it'll be at least you know something interesting to watch (laughs) while the Mercedes scamper on in front if we can get a proper Proper duel for third. That'll might quite, uh, you know, give us something to get our teeth into. You're listening to the Last Lap podcast. F1 for fans by fans. So moving on from uh, Sebastian, uh, fourth place in the race ended up being Felipe Massa. Um, disappointed, I, I can only assume is probably what the the Williams must feel um, after being, you know. Definitely best of the rest uh, last season. It seems that they have not improved in anywhere near significantly enough um, over winter uh, in the way that Ferrari have. Um, 
And Massa was quoted after the, the race as saying that he wonders if they really get the full benefit of the Mercedes engine that uh, the Mercs well, do. Those are the questions that are going to be asked, aren't they? If, if Matt Williams are, you know, a second a lap down on them, on the, on the, the works team, those questions are un, undoubtedly going to be going to be asked, and the conspiracy theorists online and and things like that are are going to be pointing. Uh, it, it's too easy to say, oh well, they're obviously not getting. I mean, what do you think? You think Mercedes are doing it deliberately, or do you think it's just a, a natural byproduct of a works team selling off an engine to a customer I, team? I think it's pretty much that. Mercedes know how that thing is bolted together perfectly. It's designed for their car, um, and any little tips and tricks that they know, they keep to themselves. They don't have to tell their customers what's the best way to put this engine together. Um, you you have to give it to you know you give it to your customers, and then they sort it out themselves. Williams are lucky in that they've got a good engineering department, so they were able to make the most of it last season when other teams got the same engine and were were nowhere near um, the Williams. Um, but it, it what it to me seems like is that they've gotten the most that they can out of the engine. Um, and now we're back to the stage where what is it that the Williams are missing? And it, it's probably a, a, a top set of um, aero designers and stuff. You know, they've, they've got a good, decent car, um, but they've not been able to improve on its basic design or the engine over winter. So they are now exactly where they were last season, which is... Um, you know, all, all the gains that they have made have just allowed them to stay exactly where they were last season, whilst other teams have have come to the point of potentially leapfrogging them. Um, so, uh, I don't blame Mercedes for, for for not you know maybe giving away everything, but that's what's going to happen if you are a customer team, and that's why what McLaren have done with Honda makes the most sense. You, you'll never beat a works Mercedes with a Mercedes engine. So the only way you can do it is with an engine from somewhere else and then design the rest of your car yourself. Become the works team, which is what the deal with uh, Honda is for McLaren. Honda can sell their engine to to other people, but the works team is McLaren-Honda in the same way that it was it was McLaren-Mercedes until Mercedes mm-hmm. came back into the sport. Um, and and it, to me, it's kind of interesting that um, there was a big change in the fortunes of McLaren from when the works team came in back into the sport compared to how McLaren were doing beforehand. Yeah, it's been pretty much a downward curve since then, really. Yeah, I think people need to understand that now, that if your if your engine supplier is in the sport as a team, then you ain't going to get in front of them. There's just no way that they'll... Certainly not in anything that's to do with the engine. So if the engine is is the the key component to, to going fastest as opposed to aero in previous seasons... Um, then forget it. Just you know, accept your fate as being the at best the third best car uh, on the grid, which is what Williams were last season. And I'm sure after the seasons they'd had previously, they thought that was great. But now they got a taste of it again. I don't think fourth place being outdone by Ferrari in the pits is almost acceptable. Really, that just kind of shows a um, naivety almost. And- that they haven't they haven't picked out that they need to race harder now than they did last season to get the same results. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Although jumping back to Sebastian, something it was something that uh, I've just just crossed my mind. Um, a lot of people were making a big shout online about um, 
how gutted Alonso must feel to see Vettel coming in third. Um, but it's not the case. They're still 30 seconds slower than the Mercedes. So yeah. nothing's changed for Ferrari. It's just that instead of being fifth, they're now third. But Sebastian Vettel isn't going to win the world championship. So what does it really mean? If if you've gone anywhere to win the world world championship, he's, do you know what I mean? Finishing third or finishing 12th might as well be exactly the same thing, isn't it? It's, it's the same At the end of the day, you're still not winning the world championship, no. are you? And that's, that's what he wants to do. He wants to win the world <laughs> championship. So he's jumped to the team with bringing in all the best aero guys from Red Bull, coming up with, you know, a a works partnership with a new uh, engine manufacturer who isn't Renault who have been particularly poor the last, you know, last season. And, um, you know, obviously he's going from Ferrari, so he's not going somewhere else. Um, if, if it takes this season of being horrible to, but the, the next season or the season after that, he he's in a car that's the, the equal of the Mercedes because they've got a better chassis and an engine that's got some kind of equality because, um, they've been able to work on it uh, better than, you know, Renault's uh, attempt and whether Ferrari have got anything else that can go into it. He won't be, you know, he won't be looking back at that first season where he finished 12th and going, well, wasn't that an utter disappointment? And I wish I hadn't, I had never come, <laughs> come to this team. So, uh, yeah, uh, it was just a, it was just an interesting point that I, that if you look at the actual, if you take the placings out of it and look at the gaps, it's exactly the same gap. Yeah, I mean, it's almost it was worth the roll of the dice from Fernando. It, it's I mean, he's he's in the twilight years of his career now, so it was worth taking the risk and going to McLaren on the chance that they're going to produce a world class car in the next two or three seasons, than staying at Ferrari and probably just like you say, being thirty seconds behind the Mercedes. So you can understand why why he's why he's made the jump. I don't think he'll be losing too many. Too many sleepless nights of with Vettel coming in third. No. So f- fifth, fifth place, probably the star of the race. To be honest, well, what do you reckon? I have to shut. I have to shut my mouth again because <laughs> um, the gentleman that I told everybody was um, a bit of an also ran in GP two, which to be fair, he was. Um, I can't not take that back. But um, he imp- he very much impressed in that Sabre. He qualified. Qualified for well and was very racy um, uh, throughout um, throughout the whole of the race distance. Uh, Felipe Neza, uh what a little star! Um, yep. uh, I'm glad to be wrong. You know, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll hold my hands up and say I judged him on solely on on his results in GP2, maybe rather than seeing what his racing was like, but. He really, really stole the show. He was better than any of the other rookies on the grid by quite a long way, really. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's he's got a teammate in the same car who's had a year's experience under his belt, admittedly driving the Caterham, but a year's experience mm-hmm. in, in Formula One, nonetheless. Let's not devalue that. And as a, you know, <laughs> put him to bed very early on and... And that was it. Ericsson wasn't anywhere near Felipe Nasa. Last uh, unlapped car as well, which I think yeah, is. Well, even Danny Ricardo, admittedly, as we've discussed, that Red Bull appears to be pretty awful, certainly in the engine <laughs> department. But um, 
Yeah, to, to for Daniel Ricciardo to in the in the a four-time world championship previously winning Red Bull team to get lapped and 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 Felipe Nasser and his modest little Sauber to to not get lapped was uh, yeah a great achievement. Sauber as well need to take some credit because they had such a bad season last year to come back uh, this season with an infinitely improved package. I mean, it looks like already. They've jumped Toro Rosso, Force India, um, and and like I say, competing <laughs> with the Red Bulls. Uh, nobody would have thought that possible given the way they they finished up last season. So well, fair play to them. What it shows, doesn't it, is that the the things that Ferrari have done over winter um, are core to the engine because they've just transferred straight over into the Sauber car. Um, I, I don't think you could have just designed the Sauber better to suddenly jump from, you know, barely scoring to outrunning, you know, the Force Indies and the Rebels comfortably. Um, so, so you're giving the credit to Ferrari more, I, than, well, you know, I'm, more than Sauber? I, I'm, there's some credit that has got to go to Sauber because they still designed a car. You know, it could still be a dog with a decent engine in it. This is entirely true. But I, I think the huge leapfrog that they've gone i think from you know chasing toro rosso's tails to obliterating them essentially um has a lot to do with the gains that ferrari have made as an engine manufacturer um that's probably fair like that's, that's probably a fair assessment of the situation um so yeah that was that's philippe another in fifth obviously we've done daniel ricardo in sixth uh seventh <laughs> nico hockenberg um, <laughs> Solid points for a well for, for a nothing race and a, and a nothing car really. And he gets seven <laughs> by the fact that uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, six other drivers who would easily be ahead of him didn't didn't finish. Yeah, um, because if Sergio Perez was essentially dicing with Jensen Button, that Force India doesn't have. Um, have anything to it. Do you know what I mean? If Sergio Perez is struggling to get past Jensen Button, um, forget it. I know I know they're on different tyre strategies and all the other bits and pieces, but if the if the McLaren is supposedly that bad, then the Force India should just be away um, and it never look like it. I, I think that car is a dog and I think that they will be potentially in um, a fight with Toro Rosso more often than they are fighting with anybody in the midfield. So I think Nico should be very grateful <laughs> that um, they've got the Merc in the back of that thing and at least it, that's going to be reliable for them because they're not going to be scoring points for being fast. Yeah, it's a concern for uh, Force India. Times aren't looking particularly great and like you say, with that many retirements slash non-starters this weekend, they've got a doubles points finish, Force India. There might not be a few more of them they're not going to be growing on trees nope. this season, so uh, enjoy it while you can, almost. Yeah, and I feel that's such a shame for Nico because he's a better driver than that. I think you know? both of them are better drivers than that. Yeah, that, that's probably true. Although uh, I think we both but, we both rate Hulkenberg above yeah. Perez. I think in I, I do, but I like Perez. He's a bit erratic, but you know, <laughs> I, I, it kind of endears me. Yes, I suppose it, that's true, isn't it? He's a bit of a bit of a trier, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and he seems like a good guy, and you know, I. I 
Yeah, I think he deserves his place in the sport. Jacob. Yes. Oh, absolutely. He's he's better than a pay driver or, or yeah or anything like that. So that's 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 true. Um, eighth, Marcus Ericsson in the Sauber. Um, what do you think that you think? Do you think it's interesting that Nico, despite the Force India's obvious flaws, was still able to to go ahead of. Uh, Ericsson the Sauber, a Sauber car that NASA was able to compete with Ricardo in the Red Bull. So do you think that's a reflection of Hulkenberg dragging something out of that car through his own skill, or do you think it's a reflection that Marcus Ericsson isn't good enough? I, I think it's both, to be entirely honest it's, with you. It's both. Um, Ericsson didn't, I didn't think, showed show anything in the Catrum to justify... Um, him being in the Sauber ahead of Guido van der Gaard on pace. Yeah, um, I it, agree. It's solely because he, his sponsorship allowed them to build the car this season, whereas Guido's saved the team the previous season. So, you know, uh, we'll get to this in the news because I have very, very <laughs> hard opinions on the, on this particular story. But um, it just, you know, when people complain about pay drivers, they complain about people like Marcus Ericsson. Or um, uh, Max Chilton. Max Chilton. Well, I feel a bit sorry for Max because, do you know what I mean? All of those finishes means he can't have been too terrible a driver because most of the other crap pay drivers crash their car every five minutes. So it's true. it wasn't got it that home. bad. Yeah. But I'm, I'm thinking of you sort of Naren Karthikayans. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Really terrible drivers who clearly only get their seats because they bring in money. And Ralph I, Furman. Yeah. Drove a Jordan about ten years ago. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the kind of stuff. We, uh, just <laughs> you know, if, if we all still feel that Formula One is the pinnacle of motorsport, then the best drivers should be in it. And Marcus Harrison isn't one of those drivers, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, yeah, he might I be agree. a great driver. Do you know what I mean? In general, or, or in terms of driving skill throughout all of motorsport, he may be a very good driver. I don't think he's good enough for Formula One. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm kind of with you. I think Nico's probably dragged more performance out of that Force India than is perhaps justified. But equally, I think Ericsson isn't isn't good enough. I agree. Yeah, he still came ahead of uh, a rookie and Carlos Sainz in the Toro Rosso in ninth. <laughs> or is <laughs> do like this as, as Eddie Jordan has come to. Um... Come to refer him because uh, Carlos Sainz Jr. doesn't like the junior part, so he's just another Carlos Sainz. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Eddie! Eddie Jordan's a man. <laughs> <laughs> he's a genius. So um, much time for AJ, man. So much time for him. Yeah, but but Carlos Sainz Jr. I I think he impressed me as well. Um, in in terms that he was definitely racier than Verstappen, I thought. Um. Pulled off some good moves. Uh, he dropped back uh, eventually. I think when once everything shaked itself out, um, so probably that kind of ninth, tenth is probably really Toro Rosso's actual pace. But I, I just felt he looked good and comfortable in the car. Um, and, and I said it before. I, I when he was looking like he was going to miss out on that spot, um, I felt really bad for him because he's been in and around uh, the team for so long. Uh, and he's clearly got the talent for it. So, um, yeah, like I said, I, I was I was impressed by the job he did in what is, uh, uh, you know, the, the sister Renault, uh, undrivable. Yeah, I, I think for a rookie, that's that's pretty impressive, really. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, I wasn't blown away by it, but I think he did a good job. Uh, mm. And I'm, I'm more than happy to, to, to think that to look. I'm look forward to seeing his next performances to see if he can keep it up. But yeah, I thought it was a good, a good effort. Yeah. Tenth uh, place was Sergio Perez, who we've kind of covered. Um, didn't uh, get off the line from- very well, but he started on opposite strategy, so he was on mediums whilst everybody was on soft. Um, had a terrible start. Uh, ended up behind Jensen, but he just couldn't overtake him. And was, Perez is probably the most interesting guy to watch all race, just because of his perennial battles with the the the, uh, the, the ailing McLaren. Like when uh, when they had their little bump, and uh, the McLaren engineers got on the radio to Jensen, and Jensen was just like Roger. That was brilliant. Like, it was the most like the the battle for last place was the most entertaining battle on the track. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, rather says it all about the <laughs> the race, doesn't it? Button um, and Neil and McLaren, and as we've covered, Perez's you know slightly gung ho attitude to overtaking just proved provided to be just a, a good bit of fun, anyway. And I think that's where that's where I get my lack of confidence in the Force India from is that if we know that Jensen was quick in the corners because the car is good, but was crap on the straights. Um, then the Force India must be really dog awful in the corners, um, and on the just op- make it, yeah, and, making up and, for it, yeah. and on the opposite rubber was only good enough, you know, to he had to wait until it, they were on the the he was on the fast tire and Jensen was on the slow tire before he could overtake him, which would kind of suggest that if there's a, like a second or so difference between the tires, then the Force India is only a second quicker than the McLaren at best. Whilst you know all the other teams appear to be three or four seconds quicker than McLaren, that's that's bad news if you're a Force India team that's not been hampered by a new engine. You've know, got the best engine in the back and all the other bits and pieces. Just means you've produced a crap car. Yep, it's kind of looking that way. Um, and again, if you look at all of the DNFs, I, I can't see yeah. that car scoring points if that's if that's really the case. Um, that's true. Yeah, there's at least three, four. I, again, there's there's six drivers there yeah. easily who could. If the McLarens get over, you know, actually turn the wick up, that's another two. <laughs> then you've got to see what, how fast the Mauritia actually is. Fucking, <laughs> you know, they could be they could be very very much last if if the Mauritia turns up and actually it was really very good. How brilliant would that be if the man <laughs> turned up? Yeah, and it just it was actually good and just started scoring points. <laughs> that would be awesome. But no, uh, then this is where the race gets a bit silly. And uh, that Button was last, and he was just outside the points. He and was eleventh. Yes. Yeah, and everybody else is a few DNFs. And well, let's um, let's run through those quickly then, because um, we might as well. Uh, Kimi Raikkonen. Um, it was a bit of a day for for the old uh, rear I mean. wheel guns, wasn't it? Rear rear right <laughs> seemed to be the uh, um, uh, uh, rear left. Sorry, seemed to be the order of the day for for not coming off properly. Uh, and unfortunately, Ferrari uh, didn't manage to put the uh, back wheel back on again. I still don't understand how those things happen. You know, I st- it makes me kind of think if there aren't lollipop guys anymore, then the blue needs to be because there needs to be somebody who who can see that it's done and not rely on traffic lights and the jack guy getting out of the way because the jack guy seems to be getting it wrong fairly often. <laughs> Um, or at least the you know the wheels aren't going on well enough. You, you, your jack guy needs to pay a hell of a lot more attention. 
That's what I was saying about Riken, and he seems to just have inherited all of the Massa bad luck in that car. That's a, yeah. That was the type of thing that was happening to Massa a season or two ago, you know? And it was a shame because he was racing very well um, up until that point. Um, yeah, I think he, he went Actually, he, to... he had two bad pit stops, didn't he? His first one, he lost about um, six or seven seconds, I think, because he was, he was racing right at the front, and then he dropped back behind... Um, I think Hulkenberg and Ricciardo and had to overtake them to try and get back again to sort of um, past uh, and Nazar as well to get past Nazar. Um, so he was he was in fifth behind Massa and then had the the second pit stop which just ended his race. It's a shame, but I'm sure he'll take encouragement that this car is better than the one he was driving last season. So hopefully we can see some something better at Kimi because let's be honest, it was pretty damn awful. See, season for him last season one of his worst in formula one so yep want to see better i think there's more to come feeling optimistic you're listening to the last lap podcast speaking of uh things still to come uh max verstappen <laughs> yeah many, um, many years ahead of him on the clock <laughs> i rather like this it was pointed out that um he uh was not only the youngest driver to start a formula one uh, Grand Prix. He's now also the youngest driver to retire from a Formula One Grand Prix, uh, and as as well as the youngest driver ever to make a pit stop in a Grand Prix. Surely that comes hand in hand with the youngest driver <laughs> to ever start. You know, if you start, there's a pretty high percentage you're going to make a pit stop. Well, you don't know, do you? There's, there's a litany of drivers who started races that they never finished, and that was their only shot in Formula One. So, uh... <laughs> I suppose. He seemed to be doing okay until yeah. he until he went off. I mean, I mean, he didn't seem to be setting the world alight, but he wasn't bad either. So he wasn't being shown up. All I over don't think place. he has the tools under him really. Like you say that uh, the Red Bull was quoted as undrivable, so the Toro Rosso can't be an awful lot better, can it? No. So you know he doesn't exactly have the machinery under him, but he looked like he was having a fairly solid effort uh from debut well yeah yeah i kind of I imagine that he would have ended up ahead of the force injury in the mclaren in the last points position had yeah, he been, I suspect had he been so as well. um so the next two both on the first lap but for, <laughs> for completely different reasons but this was my favorite thing all weekend <laughs> I, thought, I thought you might have possibly but look at where they qualified look how look at the pace in them yeah. and again what do we say change of venue manufacturer went from renault now with a Mercedes in the back, and suddenly they go from you know just ahead of the Toro Rossos to qualifying well up into um, into Q one. The Renault engine's really taking a hammer, and isn't it? Really, yes. from all sides. But yeah, like first of all, poor Roman Grosjean. Oh, yeah. I felt so finally, sorry for him. Finally, giving him a car at least capable of battling mid-table mid-table and getting good solid points we can we go retires on the opening lap with a, a mechanical failure and I, I like roman i think he's a lovely guy and i was so gutted that he had to retire but <laughs> maldonado <laughs> crashing out on the first lap of the new season i couldn't have hoped for a more brilliant start <laughs> no it was never change formula one <laughs> never change <laughs> it wasn't even his fault as well but you know who cares <laughs> it was just there was some kind of quantum inevitability that if there was going to be a four a first corner incident probably pastor maldonado was going to be right in the middle of it it's just a parody of himself now like it's just fantastic <laughs> 
at least the guy who runs the it's been this many days since Pastor the last crashed was able to reset it again and get it back down to a more reasonable <laughs> number. That's brilliant. And remember, this man's got a, he's got a race win under his belt. <laughs> Apparently he has. <laughs> um, going on from there, unfortunately, we stuck with all of the people who didn't start the race. So obviously there was yeah. Kevin Magnuson and Danny Kvyat who didn't get it. Uh, the Marissas we've both spoken to, but Valtteri Bottas uh, withdrew, yeah. had to withdraw with a back injury. Um, now here's an interesting thing because it was something I wasn't massively aware of um, until I thought about it and thought about previous examples. But if you qualify and then withdraw from the race, you can't your yeah. spot can't be taken, yeah, and no neither sub. can somebody start in your stead, even from the back of the grid or the pit lane. Yeah, no, I, I, I didn't. It was one of those rules that I kind of knew at the back of my mind, but I'd never really thought about it because it never really happened in recent memory. But yeah. Uh, that's it's unfortunate, but that's, that's I mean, rules. you can cut, yeah, yeah, yeah. Once you've qualified, you know, qualifying's a major part of the weekend. Well, so, you, you also have to nominate your drivers before a certain yeah. point of the weekend, and I think it's more, it's as much down to that as well that you, um, but you can understand why having to do that before qualifying, yeah, um, but the, the other interesting, um, uh, what the, um, the way I was able to explain it to a couple of people is, do you remember when Sergio Perez got concussion in Monaco? And um, he, uh, it was, um, he had, it was on a quali, wasn't it? So he'd qualified technically, then had the shunt. He went out for the practice in the morning, felt sick and didn't, didn't take part in the race and they didn't, Force India didn't replace him. Mm-hmm. But then they went to, um, Oh, no, sorry. He didn't take part in the race because he was concussed, so they didn't let him race. Then they went to Canada, I think it was. I think it was Montreal. And he did all of free practice, but in free practice three, uh, or free practice two, he felt dizzy and, uh, and ill, so he couldn't take part in the race. Uh, and if you remember, um, it was... Um, I can't remember who he was driving for now. Sauber? Yeah, Sauber. They didn't have... Esteban Gutierrez hadn't travelled to Montreal. So they didn't have a reserve driver there and they had to borrow um, Pedro De La Rosa from McLaren. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember. But because remember it was now. before qualifying... They were allowed to nominate. They, yeah. they could swap... They could sub Pedro in and, and, and take it over. So that's that's how I remembered that that was the rule and that it had actually taken place before just over two different races. Um I don't know where oh. I was going with that now. I can't remember, yeah. <laughs> I remember what my original uh, just, point was. Uh, Bottas was injured at the end of the oh, day. Yes. And he couldn't, couldn't race. So the second, Shit. the second amazing thing was that um, is it uh, is it Paul Stoddart from no? It's the Williams chief technical officer who's not Claire Williams. Pat it, Simmons, the other guy. Maybe Pat Simmons. Pat Simmons, uh, Pat Simmons is the yeah. Okay, so it must um, have been Pat Simmons. Guy, yeah. Who's Paul Stoddart then? Where have I? He no, used probably. to own Minardi. Oh yes, that's that's the one. Sorry. The week, yeah, he's a he was a character post that <laughs> back in the day. No, must be it. <laughs> um so Pat Simmons, when he was asked whether uh, if um Valtteri couldn't make it to Malaysia, would Susie Wolf deputise? Uh, his answer was in fact emphatically no. Yeah. He, and then he, they said, well, he was well, very Alec- political about it as well, because he was like, she's a test driver, not a reserve driver. And they said the same thing about Alex Lynn, who's been in the Williams setup for a while. Um, he said, no, he's our, um, yeah, Susie's the 
test driver and he is the other driver that sits in the simulator and does all the bits and pieces. We have no reserve driver. It kind of makes you think, well, what the hell is the point in Susie Wolf? If if she's good enough to do free practices every now and again and do do laps in testing, why is she not good enough to be your reserve driver? What's the point in her then? Other than the fact that she's a woman and it brings you media headlines, which then just makes her appointment completely cynical. And, yeah. Uh, I agree. <laughs> I know. I'm a cynical man. Yeah. It's, it, but it just, you had a feeling that, because Lotus had signed uh, Jordan, I uh, can't remember what her last name is, but she'd had like three seasons in GP2 or GP3 where she'd done absolutely nothing. Like literally not even scored a point. Terrible, terrible. But she's very, very attractive. Um, and was seen in the um, in the garage over the weekend brilliantly on the world feed for formula one uh, either the cameraman or somebody watching it wolf whistled when she came on to <laughs> onto the thing and it was picked up by the mic so everyone, it was just like yes and now we know exactly why she was being hired by lotus as their test driver yeah. um but it, it just makes you think well i don't know i don't like it i don't like the idea that you know these people are in there just to you know Grab social media headlines. Or... It's like ticking a quota box and stuff like that. You know, it's pos- and, and you need to remember, Toto is invested <laughs> in Williams, so he's still got shares in the Williams, you know, company PLC. So his wife is she in there just because of him? Well, I wonder if they get a bit of a discount if she's in and around the Formula One setup on their engines. Yeah, there's. A, I mean, there's a very. It's a bit murky, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's very tin hat, isn't it? So, I mean, they, I, I think Bottas will be fine for Malaysia, by all accounts. It yep. looks like he will be. But but if he's not, I can see, I'd, 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 <laughs> still, I'd expect him to put someone like, uh, I don't know, a, a more experienced, older hand who's been out of the sport. Apparently, the apparently reports are that it would have been, um, or will be, depending on who you listen to, uh, Pascal Verlin the okay. Mercedes test driver which then just makes you think again what's <laughs> yeah, the point yeah. of having any other drivers why didn't they just employ Pascal Verlin but he's contracted to Mercedes and then it makes you think well what if something ha- what if Nico uh, what if Lewis Hamilton trips over one of his gold chains and sprains his ankle does that mean then Pascal has to go back from Williams back into the into the Mercedes and then Williams have got to find somebody else and then it makes you think well why don't they have a goddamn reserve driver <laughs> what it's just madness. It's absolute madness. It is a bit murky. Murky is a good word. I'd like. I mean, I'd like to see. Uh, not not from a just from a purely sort of selfish nostalgic point of view, but I'd like to see them put in like Weber or Heidfeld or someone like that. You know, just for a one-off nostalgia pop. But by all accounts, I think it will be Bottas. I think he'll be okay. Yeah, from what I, from what I read, but. You, get, you never know with back injuries. They can be quite funny, back injuries, can't wow. they? So. What is it with Finnish people and, and back injuries as well? <laughs> yeah, Raikkonen had a bad back, didn't he? So. <laughs> Got him out of the Lotus. But, t- touch wood, he'll be fine because we did miss him this weekend in, in Albert Park. He would have been right in there probably with Vettel. I suspect he might have been quicker than Massa, so he would have been right in there with Vettel and it might have been a good a good scrap, those two. So uh, touch wood, he's back from Malaysia. So going on from the madness of not having a reserve driver, let's take a look at the Formula One news. The Final Lap Podcast. News. 
And I guess we've probably got to start with Christian Horner foaming at the mouth. He is uh, not a happy chappy, is he? He is not. Um, asking the FIA to step in, uh, step in, step in, um, and do something to equalise uh, the playing field in terms of the lead that Mercedes have had, which um, you may not be surprised to learn, Sean. Um, set the internet alight with uh, a million and one memes uh, with uh, <laughs> uh, Red Bull gives you whinge, uh, I think was a good one. Um, various photoshops of Christian Horner in prams, toys flying, etc., etc. <laughs> Excellent. Um, and whilst I can understand that as an initial reaction, because it does sound very much like sour grapes, is he really wrong to do that? Because... Everybody did it when they were in front. <laughs> exactly. And, and everybody's done it throughout all time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Ferrari did it to McLaren and McLaren have done it to Ferrari. And uh, it's just happens all the time. Williams had the computerized suspension, which all the other teams complained about and got it banned. Do you know what I mean? It was, it's but just Braun, the way Braun that it had the diffuser, yeah. double diffuser. diffuser, won them a world championship, you know? It, well, and exactly. Then, and they got, they got banned in the middle of the season. When Fernando won his, um, his titles in Renault, they had the, the mass damper in the back of their car. So, mm -hmm. It's, this is not this is not a new thing, and quite frankly, Horner probably wouldn't be doing his job if he wasn't going to try and you know lobby to get to close the field. That's that's what he's, that's what the team principal is there for at the end of the day. So I'm 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 nothing against Christian Horner coming out with these kind of statements. I'd be more worried if he wasn't. Quite <laughs> frankly, that would suggest Red Bull have given up, and you know at least they're at least they're still fighting. <laughs> Well, yeah, and interestingly, um, Marco Arriva Benny, who I think is possibly um, going to be one of my favourite people in Formula One because um, he's so amazingly cool. He's a proper Ferrari head. He's not. Yeah. It's not like the last couple who have been a bit, bit bookish and yeah, and not entertaining. He seems very entertaining. Prop, but he said, "Briatore character." <laughs> yes, um, he came out and sort of said, "Well, it's up to us to catch up with them," and. You can look at that and go, oh, that's a really good thing to say. And yeah, you know, don't complain, get on and do it. But if you're a Ferrari fan, that's going to be quite worrying, isn't it? That he's not prepared to do everything he can to reduce the gap between him and Mercedes. Is he basically saying, I'm quite happy Ferrari for Ferrari to be third at best this whole season? Uh, you know, we, we don't care about getting on parity with Mercedes. We're just happy to be best of the rest. It's not a very Ferrari attitude, is it? He's maybe just confident in their own ability to catch up, though. <laughs> really? Not saying why. Well, not... well, past performance as an indicator to future success would suggest. <laughs> <laughs> not saying it's well-placed confidence. <laughs> right. You wouldn't you try to tell me an Italian Ferrari employee wouldn't be, have a big enough ego to think that they could do it, you know? So. Well, I suppose that's, that's probably true enough. But it's like I say, Ferrari are pretty much the political masters, so it kind of it's a bit strange to hear yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, you'd expect them to be the ones first. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's not like they haven't done not had a past reputation for that, is it? So. No, and uh, and another thing that I thought you know is is quite interesting to bring up in that you know people were saying, oh well, just you know just work harder and catch up, but you can't, can you? Because the engines are frozen. You you have a certain amount of tokens and a percentage of the engine actually can't be developed. It's physically frozen and gets more and more each year until there's a total engine freeze in, um, I can't remember when, 2018, I think maybe, or something like that. Um, so 
every advantage that Mercedes have now is this, is in effect compounded by the fact that there's less the teams can actually do to catch up, and they have less ability to do it because they've only got the tokens, and there's no in-season testing. So if they bring something new to the engine, they better hope it works first time and is great and <laughs> is completely reliable. Which you know, as Honda has shown, is <laughs> not necessarily a given, no matter how much t- development time you put into it. So you know. How are the teams going to catch up if 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 it's all engine related? But you're saying, but no, you can't work on the engines. Well, great. So that's that's the Mercedes locked in until the next set of, you know, major changes to the formula again in however many years that's going to be. At least 2017, by the sound of things, probably later. I don't like the sound of that. I want I want no. the teams to be able to do what kind of you know if we're if we're not going to put a cost cap in which is the only sensible way of actually regulating the cost of formula one then you just got to say well go out there and you know the engines are unfrozen you can do anything you want to we we will manage what you bring on the engines and if we feel one of those things is not within the spirit of what we want formula one to be then we'll ban it and then you'll have to design something else which seems to be what they've done every other bloody season yeah i agree i'm i'm not a big fan of freezing development i say the f1's supposed to be the pinnacle of motorsport go out and let them develop you know one of the uh other quotes coming out at the same time was um dietrich mataschitz or dieter mataschitz as i read somewhere else i don't know which one of those is his real name um a bit like roman grosjean you don't know what is where where roman <laughs> grosjean was born you don't know what dieter mataschitz his real name actually is. Um, but he was saying that uh, if all the financials don't add up, then Red Bull could leave the sport, which as far as I'm aware, he said every season Red Bull have been in, you know, worthy of an interview in the, in the paddock that <coughs> he's mentioned that it's, you know, it's a marketing strategy at the end of the day to be in Formula One, all the bits and pieces. And if it costs more to be in Formula One than it does for them to get out selling fizzy drinks, there is no point for them to be in the sport and they'll, they'll bugger off. But that's, that's fairly reasonable, it sounds to me. If they're not a racing team, that's, that's you know, it, he would say that if they were winning. If it was the case that they won Formula One and it didn't cause any kind of spike in their sales or spike in their um, recognisability on the high street, then they'd leave as well, wouldn't they? There would just would be no point. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> uh, I don't really have much more to say on that one, no. Well, it's just it's, it's just funny to see people see that. It's speculation, as... isn't it, really? Like, well, it is, and they haven't left not... so far, so, you know. Until, until they leave, what can we do? There's not much to be said, really. Uh, I don't think they'll leave any time soon. I hope they don't. Yeah. Otherwise... <laughs> Even less cars starting the <laughs> yeah, drive. Eventually, we're just going to have Mercedes and Williams and Ferrari and bloody McLaren, and that'll be it. But, no... Um, I, I don't see them pulling out anytime soon. Uh, not, not, it's not, it's not my utmost concern uh, about Formula One. Put it that way. Uh, news coming out today: uh, Fernando Alonso has been cleared to fly out to Malaysia. Uh, he will have doctor's checks when he gets there, but looks like he's all set to start his first race for McLaren. Good, excellent. Uh, the um, conspiracy theorists can, can yeah. have that one put to bed. Uh, I'm not particularly enthused by the fact that he'll be driving a McLaren, but uh, it'd be good to see him back on track because uh, the weekend certainly missed him at Albert Park. Indeed. Um, 
let's go to Guido Vandergaard because we didn't really <laughs> touch on the outcome of this. Um, it's a fantastic story. Just the, the, when he turned up in the, in the garage wearing his race suit, it was one of the best things I've ever seen. Like the balls of that man to turn up in a fully kitted out race suit with his helmet under his arm. Like, where did he get the race suit? It was um, <laughs> Felipe Nez's, I think, or Marcus Ericsson's, I think, actually. Sorry. Yeah, but like, where did how did how did he how did it come to his possession? I think they just gave it to him and said, right, okay. Um, well, technically, we can't stop you doing this, so therefore, have a spare uniform. <laughs> like it's just fantastic. Like. <coughs> The, like to just t- like to be in a legal battle and then still turn up at the car on in the morning, fully kitted out, prepared to race. I thought I just thought it was fun. Like it made me just love Guido van der Gaard. I quite like Guido anyway, but the balls of that man there was fantastic. Well, the the practical upshot of, of it is that um, Guido will receive fifteen million pounds from Sauber. Good luck on getting that, because God knows where they've got that kind of money. Um, but we'll not get his race seat. Um, they have come to an agreement. Um, as, as, as you said, they would. Uh, well done, Megs, for calling that right. Yeah. I do my best. Um, and Guido released a statement saying, basically, he was very upset about how it was going, and you know, um, what he really wanted to do was race. Uh, you know, he had the contract to race, and uh, now that he's not, blah blah blah, and all the bits and pieces. It was a fair. It wasn't a particularly vitriolic statement, really. Um, just pointing out how disappointed he was, really, with Sauber's behaviour, which realistically is, <laughs> you know, pretty understandable. Um, at which Sauber then released a press statement. Um, let me get it up real quick because it was, it was amazing. You're listening to the Last Lap podcast, the home of F1 banter. Oh, this is so. Um, Guido said the dream has been taken away from me, and I know that my future in Formula One is probably over, which is really, really sad. Um, and he pointed out that his advance payments had helped Sauber survive, and all these bits and pieces. Um, and then Sauber said, uh, "We don't know about Guido's intentions. He may try to present himself as a winner. While well, we had actually hoped to come to rest after our agreement, Guido decided to take a different approach. The reasoning behind we cannot understand. We've had, uh, we ha- have, uh, we'd have very good answers to the many statements and accusations in Guido's post. But to expand on that wouldn't help our race team nor our fans and partners. It would only encourage a mud fight via the media, and we would not lend ourselves to that. Uh, blah blah blah. The next race is in Malaysia. Whatever." Uh, with this in mind, we'd like to encourage you to form your own opinion about what happened, however critical it may be. Uh, f- from our side, we here with close the matter and look already to forward to cele- celebrating future achievements on the racetrack. Um, they rather stupidly posted this on their Facebook page, um, which meant that for the whole entire day, they essentially got post after post of angry Formula One fans saying, no, no, <laughs> um, Guido is a winner. You guys are assholes. Um, why don't you shut up and go away, you idiots, for signing four di- four drivers for two seats? Um, all day every day, and that that was all across the. There was n- like nobody I saw saying. Uh, oh, actually, no, sorry. I got a Twitter reply after I sent a few uh, t- t- tweets to to Salba from one uh, Salba fan who said that they would. Uh, they would support them. You know, real fans of Sauber would continue to support the team. And I was With just all like, due well, respect, 
Who is a real fan of Sauber? I mean that with every... People with you know, particularly low expectations. Like... They're I the just, people who go out on a Saturday night on the pool and they start with the fat sweaty birds because that's that's how low their expectations are. They don't they don't they don't go anywhere else. I like Sauber. I hope they do well because they've generally been a little mini Ferrari over the last sort of 10 to 15 years without the you know the BMW phase notwithstanding. But um yeah, I mean well, that's the point. There's, they no, went... there's nobody who's a diehard sober fan, is there? Well, the point is, is that they were before all of this uh, an underdog, uh, essentially privateer team, um, who everybody had a bit of a soft spot for because they tried really hard, despite you know overwhelming odds about them doing well. They've they've always punched above their weight, and now they just look like douchebags who. Um, Promised the driver a seat so long as he gave the money to survive one season, and then absolutely shafted him um, the next season. Well, two drivers as well because they were subtle as well. But he's he's <laughs> always just wanted his money back. <laughs> um, uh, and I think it's it's fair play for for Guido for pushing him and saying, "Well, no, you can't promise somebody a race seat and then say, well, you know what? We needed more money from these guys, so you can't have the race seat that we contractually, uh, you know, signed off you going. Just just go away now, would you?" Be, be reserve driver and maybe we'll give you free practice every now and again. Oh, we won't actually give you free practice. We'll give that to another guy because he's probably paying us more money as well to get free practice once every three races. It's just it's just terrible. And I, I don't understand how the team have gotten the PR on this so utterly wrong that they think they can just sit there and just go, no, no, we were right all along. Like, no, <laughs> no, you really weren't ever. Not at any point. <laughs> Which rather tarnishes tarnishes how well they're doing on the track for me, at least. Yeah, because they had a great start to the season, which is the the ironic thing, isn't it? They've improved on the track this season than they've been for the last couple of years. Yeah, off the track, it's gone in the opposite direction. Uh, and I think that that pretty much catches everything I've caught in the um, in the news. Is there anything else that you've? Um... You've come across? Um, oh, the German GP. Off. Oh, of course, yes. Of course, that's a big story. Um, yes. Uh, they look like there might have been a uh, a deal to save the German Grand Prix this season um, from um, uh, Hockenheim, but it appears that the financials couldn't be put together. Um, apparently, Merck uh, wanted to be... Um, a part of that as well, um, but that's not um, that's not happened. So we are another Grand Prix down after losing the Korean one, uh, not unsurprisingly. Um, um, so yeah, I mean the writing was kind of on the wall last year. Uh, it's a difficult one because you're 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 naturally going to look to Eccleston and just assume that it's his fault. Yep. Uh, I don't know the details in too in depth of how this has come about, but looking at the surface, Bernie's probably got questions to answer. Well, if something uh, isn't financially viable, it can only be that the people who person who sets the financial terms has a big hand in it not working out. Therefore, that's entirely down to Monsieur Eccleson and uh, the group behind FOM. Really, it's. Uh, there is nobody else to blame. I mean, you, people could say, "Oh well, it's down to the um, 
you know the tracks to look after themselves but they can only make make money if enough people turn up because they want to turn up or, and it's cheap enough to turn up and all the other bits and pieces so as soon as you can't make back the money it costs to host the grand prix what's the point in doing it for for the course other than for the for the history of it um from what i can tell ticket prices were just not not exactly reasonable um and obviously the the owners of the track are going to be setting they must be setting high ticket prices to try and cover the enormous costs that Eccleston's charging. So to run the Grand Prix, so you could, you could put that blame at his door. It's a difficult one because I'm generally so pro, you know, the old school European circuits that normally I would be gutted to see a track like Hockenheim off the calendar in the same way that was a little bit gutted to see Imola off the calendar when it first was cut. But to be honest, I don't really like the new Hockenheim. So it wasn't not, the greatest. It wasn't the greatest circuit to begin with. I, I'm not that bothered, which is that's, that's making me feel really sad because I I love Germany. I've got a lot of ties there. Uh, I love most most of the German Formula One drivers are some of my favourite drivers over the years. And but it just I makes th- you mad when that happens. And next year we're getting Azerbaijan. Yeah, well, that that does that. No, yeah, that is. There's the point in that. I don't understand. I don't get it at all. Yeah, that's. I mean, Russia. I could at least understand. It's a big place. Mexico. Okay, we've raced there before. That kind of makes sense. I can understand an Middle Eastern race. One Middle Eastern race. Oil producers, petrol. Yep, get it. Not a problem. I just, you know, just why, uh, you know, Singapore. Major fun, you know, major capital city, blah blah blah, amazing night race. You know, I can understand these kind of decisions about places to go, even if the tracks aren't particularly good. I can understand why we're at these places. I just do not understand Azerbaijan. It just makes no sense. No, I agree. An interesting thing about the German Grand Prix and the attendance figures is generally sports in Germany are extremely cheap to follow. You know, like going to a Bundesliga game is the way the clubs are run, the way the entire set up is there for the football infrastructure is it's 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 very fan orientated and they make it accessible to the fans. Like you could go see a Bundesliga game in Germany for the same price you would pay to go watch like a League Two game in England. Wow. Yeah, it's extraordinarily cheap to go watch the football games. Like, but even Bayern Munich, you can go Bayern Munich. The Bayern Munich season ticket is like. Uh, probably about I think it's something like a fifth of like the Arsenal season ticket. Uh, Arsenal are historically bad for their ticket prices, so mm-hmm. it's generally really cheap to go see sports in Germany. So when the Formula One track starts charging astronomical prices, the fans are just not going. They're just going to say, well, "No, this isn't this isn't what we pay for our sport. We're not. This isn't what happens here." So and and they just didn't go. Simple as that. You know, they went. <laughs> they vote with their feet. You know, and and they've paid the price. They've lost the Grand Prix. Yeah. So, yes, sad times, sad times. Uh, I think that pretty much is everything I was going to cover. Anything else, Sean? That you've no, picked up? now that you've reminded, I'd forgotten about the German Grand Prix there. But now I that you think, remember, I that. think everybody's forgotten yeah. about the German Grand Prix, and that was kind of the problem. <laughs> well, yeah, there you go. It probably says everything that needed to be said. <laughs> no, uh, that seems seems pretty. Yeah, pretty spot on. Okay, so uh, looking ahead to Malaysia. Yeah, Malaysia. Let's um... quite like the Malaysian track. It is a tilt design track, but 
one it, of the better ones. I quite, I, I'm, I'm a fan. It's, um, it's got a few different bits in it, and it isn't, it isn't quite as, um, uh, I don't know, it's difficult to describe, really, isn't it? It's not one dimensional. Yes, <laughs> that's that's exactly what I mean. It's not a, a Sochi or uh, or a, a Bahrain. It just mm-hmm. seems to have nothing to it, no interesting bits to it. Um, love the first corner. Always love the first corner. Mm. Uh, obviously good for a wet race um, as well. You can always throw uh, a few Sometimes surprises. too good, sometimes too wet. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes, once or twice, um, a, a bit too wet. Um, Another early one too. So yes. It'll be a, be a seven o'clock, six o'clock start, something like that. So always um, fun. Uh, sadly, <laughs> I think it's uh, going to be somewhere where Mercedes are even better than they were um, at Albert Park, which is obviously... They're going to be mighty up those straights, aren't they? It's just going to be brutal. Yeah, I, I can't really see anybody touching them. So let, let's let um, let's do our top five uh, predictions then. Um, We're going for a top five? Yeah, I think so. Okay, well, I'm going to use my head over my heart and say Lewis to beat Rosberg this week. Uh, <laughs> as I was saying earlier, I think I'm a bit concerned that Nico's maybe let let that defeat last season get the better of him. Uh, third, I'm going to go for the Williams to just outdo the Ferrari this week. I don't know whether it's because maybe that Mercedes engine will suit this track. I mm. think I'll take uh, Valtteri Bottas to, to come third. Vettel four. And um, who for five? Kimi Raikkonen for five. Oh, seriously? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's exactly the top five I was going to go for. Really? In that <laughs> yeah, order? Literally exactly <laughs> that order. Yes. Excellent. <laughs> well, just Look to be different that. then, just because... Just Great because minds I, think alike. Well, just because I, 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 I want to try and score an extra point of view on our prediction league, I'm going to swap <laughs> Kimi Raikkonen for Felipe Massa in fifth then. Just to... Well, here, there were the two. and I'll, I'll It is pretty much 50-50, I think. I think it's it's one of the Ferrari or the Williams in that last place. Uh, I think you could put the other I was two gonna, I mean, uh, it flirted very quickly there with Daniel Ricciardo in my brain, but given what they said about the engine and its lack of drivability, that probably cost them around this track. So I, I think the Red Bull might be slower there. So, no, I, I, I went with Raikkonen in the end. That's, I think that's hilarious that you've... You went the same. Look at that. It's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose uh, my loyalty should say I, sh- I should probably have put in, uh, Alonso in fifth, just beyond on, on traditionally. That seems to be where he can drag any car he wants to. <laughs> if he gets that like McLaren <laughs> in the points this weekend, then fair play. You know, if he get if he gets the job done, you know, that would be quite amazing. When if he, he came back already and... have earned some of that humongous salary that they're paying him. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, I think that um, that takes us nicely to the uh, end of the podcast. Um, thank you very much for listening, guys. Um, as always, you can catch us on uh, iTunes or TuneIn. Uh, subscribe to the podcast over there. It would do us a real big favor if you could leave a little review um, or a star rating, especially on iTunes. Really helps us, um, you know, sort of pop up on people's screens and gets us gets us noticed. So if you could spend the time doing that, we'd uh, we'd really really appreciate it. Um, obviously you can still catch us um, at our website which is www.lastlappodcast.co.uk we're still on Facebook just search us for The Last Lap Podcast Um, and we're also on the tweets uh, on Twitter which is at (laughs) Last Lap Podcast 
Um, we're also personally available should you wish to uh, contact us directly about anything, not necessarily just Formula One, but anything that passes your mind. I am at man called Megs. Uh, yeah, and I'm at Firebolt Willow. Uh, oh, we said we were going to come up with a, an interesting. I haven't come up with an interesting story for your name, so we'll have to leave that until next. Uh, yeah, next we'll episode. Keep them hanging. Keep them hanging. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just the suspense. Keep them coming back. Keep those plot twists handy. So again, thank you very much for listening, guys. It's been a pleasure, and we will speak to you after the Malaysian Grand Prix. Thanks very much. Cheers. Thanks, mate.